Hello, and welcome to the Family Business Podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping family businesses thrive. My name is Ross Hayworth, and each week I will share insights and experiences to help you to navigate the complexities that can come from being in business with your family. You will also hear directly from family businesses who have been kind enough to share their own stories. As ever, I am grateful for the support of my good friends over at the Institute for Family Business. The IFB support family businesses in overcoming their challenges and help them build lasting legacies, something that we have a shared passion for. You can find out more about their work by heading over to ifb.org.uk. Right, let's get on with this week's show. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Family Business Podcast. My guest this week is Debbie Eakins, who is a freelance content copywriter. But beyond that, Debbie has also been growing up within a family business and has recently made the decision to set up her own business away from her family business. And we're going to get into some of the detail um, around that in today's show. But firstly, Debbie, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. Hello, thank you for having me. And I gave a little bit away in that introduction, but if you can just kind of add some meat to the bones on uh, your sort of story and and tell us a little bit more about yourself and and the business you grew up in. Sure. So the business that I grew up in is called Eagle Leisure, and it was started in 1989, May 1989, actually, which was about 18 months before I arrived on the scene. So it has been in my life since, since before birth. Um, it's a company that deals with the installation and the maintenance and the repair of swimming pools and hot tubs and saunas and steam rooms and we're based just outside of Glasgow. I worked there for about five years or so, um, five years officially although as most people will know if you're in a family business you're kind of in it from birth Um, so I had a couple of different jobs throughout the years but I officially worked there as sales and marketing manager for about five years And I decided to leave almost, well, 18 months ago now in April 2019. Almost forgot what year we were on just now. (laughs) Understandable (laughs) Um, at the moment. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So, yeah, I've been working on my own for the past 18 months or so. Yeah, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. And you said that the business was sort of set up 18 months before uh, you were were born is that right roughly roughly yeah 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 and are you the oldest sibling I know you've got some some siblings so no I I have an older sister who's about five years older than me um so yeah she was already around Uh and I also have a younger sibling a younger sister who is about five years younger than me so okay I'm the middle child, Uh um, (laughs) the classic middle child. (laughs) (laughs) And when when did you actually realise you were part of the family business? Because if it's around when you were born, it's just something that was always there. When did you sort of become aware of it as a as a thing? Yeah, I think that, as I said, I officially started there in 2013. I think that was my first time that I was, you know, like properly on the payroll and part of the company. But I think I probably realised that maybe when I was in uni because that would have been when the kind of first recession hit and I think that we all got a wee bit involved then like I set set up the Facebook page and we started to kind of all muck in to try and make sure that it it made it through the recession which thankfully it did Uh I mean 
I probably realised that before um, we used to spend most of our weekends there. We would go and put mats down and do gymnastics in the warehouse, um, which was obviously really safe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for one whole month um, or one whole school summer holidays, I decided to go to work with my mum every day. I think I was about eight. Um, and the receptionist at the time taught me how to do the books. So whether I was actually doing official books is still to be debated. I think <laughs> I was, but <laughs> my mum insists I was just pretending. The business had a bump a year that year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an eight-year-old writing in all the figures. Um, so I've always kind of been involved in it, but I think, yeah, when I went to uni, it started to feel a wee bit more real, and we started to feel a wee bit more responsible for the success of it, although, I mean, our app, the actual impact that I would have had was was tiny but but yeah it felt it started to feel very personal probably mm. around late teens but that that's probably quite relevant for people who might be listening now who who may not have experienced the recession back in 2008-9 and yes. this is their first experience of sort of adversity on, on the scale that we're seeing at the moment with coronavirus etc mm-hmm. do, do you feel we'll, we'll get on to to what you're doing now later on in the show but do you feel now drawn back towards the business as well what's going on so now no at the very start of a coronavirus in March obviously it was a very I say it was a very different landscape but it was very new and I did feel like I was getting drawn back in I started to go back into the emails I started to you know like be emailing and trying to make like make sales because the office was closed of course and I've very much got drawn back into it and I started to feel the same stress and the same pressures that I'd felt before and after about a month I just stepped back and I said this is what I've done this is here is the information that you need I'm not doing anymore because because sorry I should maybe clarify as well that as part of my role just now as a freelance content copywriter I still do the marketing for Eagle Leisure uh-huh. so I am still involved in it but it's very much a step back and I don't get involved in the running of the business or the politics of the business but I, I did very much feel like I was getting drawn back into that at the start of the right. year and I had to take a conscious decision to stop doing that because I was getting myself so much more stressed out than I needed to be and just move away and focus on what I was doing and as always you kind of think that you're integral to the running of it and that you're necessary and then when you move away you realize actually everything still runs uh-huh. as normal and and they've been fine they've managed fine without me yeah excellent and just, just taking a step back a little bit into to how the business is operated you mentioned you went to work with your mum is it your mum and dad that work within the business how how, how many family members work in there as it stands so my parents started it so my mum and my dad my dad is the managing director, um, although the role that he does is sort of more operational because he was the one with, um, he's an electrician by trade, so he's the one that knows how to fix all the swimming pools and hot tubs and so on. My mum also works there as the other director and she sort of is in like the finance business side of it. And my older sister works there. Um, at the time when I worked there, she was like front of house reception, I believe she's now moved to payroll or I'm not Uh actually sure exactly what she does anymore um so it's only three family members at the only three I say but yeah three family members at the moment that work there great and your sort of journey into the 
family business you mentioned you went to uni and then was it straight from uni that you went into the role with the family business how, how did no, that happen? no so I, I studied marketing and psychology at university and then I ended up going to New Zealand after university and when I came back the plan was to get a job not in the family business uh, completely unrelated actually was looking for a job in psychology and my mum had said to me, why don't you come? We've got a couple of things that need done. Um, it was mainly really fun jobs like stock taking and organising stock. <laughs> um, <laughs> said, why, why don't we need someone to do this? So why don't you come in and help us for a couple of months? And then you can look for a job in that time. And it means you're flexible to go for interviews and things, which was obviously a really great position, like a great position to be in because it meant I didn't have to go and get another part time job like I've been mm-hmm. working before I left. Um, so I went and did that. And then I think my sister was off on Mondays. She was still on kind of part, she'd come back after maternity leave, so it was on part-time. And my mum said, can you come through to the office on Mondays and do her job because I don't want to do it. So I would do stock take and clearing the stock during the week. And on a Monday, I would come through to the office. And then it was, when I started to do that, I would start to like question things and be like, oh, why don't we do this? Or why aren't we doing it this way? really annoying everyone, um, <laughs> loads and loads. And they're like, oh, because we've always done it this way. Um, so I started to get like gradually more and more involved. Um, when customers would come in, it would be me that would speak to them. So then I kind of got lumped with the sales part of it. And then I don't know where the transition happened. Some At some point, I just transitioned full-time into the office. There was really no mention of it becoming a full-time job. And suddenly I was in sales and kind of marketing role. I started blogging joined the content marketing academy which is where we cross paths uh-huh. um, and then it just became much more of a full-time involved role and it became quite apparent that I was the one that was invested in the future of it and kind of driving it forward and wanting to make changes which no one else really wanted to make right and so from the sounds of it there was no kind of pressure or expectation from your family for you to think well you you must come and work within no. the family business. No, there, there really wasn't. I mean, I, I guess it was almost like, and I don't mean this in a, in a like disparaging way or sounding like an entitled way, but it was like a fallback mm-hmm. option. I didn't want to be there. They didn't, they didn't not need me there, but it, it wasn't, there was definitely no pressure. It wasn't as soon as I left uni, okay, you've gone to uni to learn how to do that. Now you need to come into the family business. It had never, it never really been discussed. And I, th- I think my sister was a sort of similar position. Um, she by chance ended up there and ended, ended up staying there. So yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't pressured into a decision or it wasn't like, this is going to be a family empire. You all must join. Mm-hmm. Although they, I guess the emotional attachment was still there and they're, they're and internally felt like a pressure it was there was never an an external pressure to join yeah and I guess the timing of your kind of university education coupled with what was going on in the outside world with the uh, recession and the the, um, credit crunch and all that kind of stuff combined at a time where you were old enough to be able to do something about what's going on within the business and use that experience rather than being sort of five years old and thinking I'll go and sweep somewhere to, to help or, or cook the books as you did at eight or whatever yeah. it was. <laughs> then you're kind of at a stage in your um, life and career where you can have that impact on the business and you've built that emotional attachment because of what's going on in, in the outside world. Would that be fair? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think so. Definitely. 
And you're now working outside, although you're working with the family business, you've mm-hmm. got your own business now and you're working outside of uh, the family business. How did that sort of start to happen? Was it that you felt the role was always going to be temporary? Was there a point where you thought, actually, this might be my life now? I might I might just work <laughs> yeah I think that was part of it this might be my life now (laughs) but they're definitely so after a while um they're definitely moved into it it started to moving move towards okay what's going to happen in the future and my parents are now both in their 60s although very recently my mum will probably be annoyed at me saying that she's just (laughs) turned 60 (laughs) um so they're both in their 60s now so they were starting to look at how do we retire how do we move away from the business and so although there was never a formal discussion of it becoming a permanent role, it started to move towards discussion of, OK, how do you do you want to take over and how do we start planning for that? So we started to move towards discussions of how I could take over and if I wanted to do that and how we would plan for that. Um, and we got quite far along. We started to speak to we, we all started to speak to people externally. I started to speak to people I trusted that had been through the process before and consult with people who understood kind of process of succession. And I, I didn't plan on going out on my own at this point, obviously, because the plan was very much how can we make this work? How can we make the succession plan work? And then we kind of just it all happened quite quickly. We hit a bit of a breaking point. And I think that at that point I realised I needed to make a decision between do I want this to be the rest of my life? Can I imagine myself taking over this business under the circumstances that I've been given it? Or do I want to go and do something for myself? Um, and at that point, it wasn't necessarily going to work for myself. I think I just realised at that point that I needed to leave. Mm-hmm. And somehow, I don't even really remember how it happened. It turned into go and work for yourself and I managed to luckily get a few clients and that's that kicked it off and so that process is not an easy one it's it's no. it's not a decision that you know you can some people may but you you don't necessarily wake up in the morning and go right that I've made a decision it's very clear to me this is the, the path yeah. to, to be taken over what time frame did did those discussions happen and and secondly and I shouldn't ask two questions at once but, but <laughs> Was it a roller coaster? Was it where you, you know there was days where you thought, well, yes, I can do this, and days where you, you couldn't? Sorry, I'll stop asking yeah. questions. Yeah. So the first one, it was probably over about six months to a year, I would say. The I feel like before that there was maybe it was maybe expected that I would take over. There was almost this like unspoken, well, Deborah will just be taking over type thing. But yeah, the, the discussions probably started and went on for about six to 12 months. And yes, it was a roller coaster of emotions. I think that I went through times of, oh, I can totally do this. I want to do this. And no, I'm giving this up. I don't want anything to do with it, which is obviously the one that we kind of ended on. <laughs> so yeah, it was very much, I, I would say it wasn't a quick decision, although I'm going to now contradict this and say it was a very quick decision in the end Uh it was a very much it was a very thought out process over a long period of time it was a very considered decision I spoke to a lot of people in both professional and like personal um, scenarios and then the final decision was almost a snap decision it just became so 
clear at the very end of this is not what I want to do this is not where I want to be and if I view my life in 20 30 40 years and this is the scenario that I'm in I'm not going to be happy mm-hmm. and I decided that at that moment that I didn't want to carry on and I told my parents and I left <laughs> and that was pretty much it if you're happy sharing how how did those conversations with your parents go because uh, again the the business is just a little bit older than you so it's like another sibling almost (laughs) yeah like like another child for them and yeah I think there was I think there was two aspects to it we were very much at odds as to how we saw the business progressing which was very frustrating for me because in my eyes, they wanted to step back, but they still very much wanted control of what it was going to be. Now, obviously that wouldn't have been the case forever, but it would have been the case in the early days. And it was trying to get past that friction point of what is this business going to be and can I make it what I want it to be? Um, So there was kind of a, like we were kind of at odds with that and that was quite a like frustrating heated conversation uh, from that aspect because we weren't on the same page but on the other hand they had said to me before it all started you really need to think about whether this is what you want it's not an easy life it's not going to be plain sailing it's not going to be just stepping in and taking over a company and it's all great and dandy Mm -hmm. um so I think that whatever the decision was that I made, they would be happy with it, but they wanted me to really consider it and make sure that it was the decision that I wanted. So I do think there was a large, a large part of them that was, I don't want to say relieved because I don't know if they were relieved or not, but that was glad that I'd made the decision for me. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I do think there was a part of them that was kind of like, okay, now, well, now what do we do? Because this succession plan that we had thought and that we'd put in place is now gone. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know that they would want to admit this, but there was probably an annoyance and a frustration on that part. But there was definitely a sense of, well, you've made the decision for you. And and so it, it wasn't, we had a few, like, not shouting matches, but we had a few strong words for each other at certain mm-hmm. points. But that was just kind of in the heat of the moment of getting things organised and deciding what we wanted to do. But in the end, it was it was an amicable decision. It wasn't like they exiled me from the family and said I was never uh-huh. allowed to come back <laughs> um, they wanted me to make the decision like you know at the end of the day they're my parents they don't want me to make a decision that's going to tie me into something that I don't want to do and after I left about a few months after my dad said to me are you happier now and I was like well I was never unhappy and he was like but you would have been and you know he's right and to be honest mm. At that point, I probably lied. I think looking back, I probably was quite unhappy. Right. I just didn't really realise it because that was what I was used to. Mm. And now, if I think of putting myself back in that situation, like it's totally unthinkable. I would never, <laughs> I would never want to do it. The yeah. comparison with how my life was then and how I felt about it and how much stress and pressure I was under in comparison to now is just they're, they're incompatible. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think t- two things that I've kind of taken away from what you've just said there around the length of time that you took to make that decision I mean you collectively as a family went through a process of of looking Mm -hmm. at the options and and discussing those anything up to sort of 12 months that allows you the time and space to think about what your options might be rather than you know having a 
a two-week deadline to say you you're in or you're out and, and how do yeah. you then consider all of those options over over such a short um time frame but also the importance of clarity so the the fact you were able to get to a decision and go this is what i want to do whether it's option a or option b as regards to staying in the, the family business or not the mm-hmm. clarity that that type of decision allows is for you to to pursue what you want to do and for the business to pursue what it wants to do it doesn't stay in this kind of frozen and state where there's no real clarity or direction so i'm guessing there was advantages to the fact that there was clarity on that decision at the point you made it because it then meant that other plans could be put in place yeah definitely and i think that if i'd stayed and and dragged it on first of all i don't think that i would ever have left i think that if there hadn't been a very clear decision decision and at the point that I made my decision, I handed in my notice. It wasn't a case of right. I'm going to leave in six months or I'm going to leave in a year. It was a case of I am going like we we couldn't reach a decision on how we saw the business moving forward. And I made the decision that I didn't want to be there long term. And if that was the case, I was leaving uh-huh. within the next month or two. Yeah. Um, I think that if I'd said oh, I'll stay for six months or I'll stay for a year until you've sorted this out, I would never have left. Mm. And so I think it was, it seems, when I say it out loud, it seems a wee bit selfish. That's just like, okay, I'm done, I'm going, bye. And maybe some people will be listening, thinking that is really, but it's it had to be done that way. I think that if we'd, if there had been any grey area in it, I would have just stayed and it would have been an, an indefinite decision. And also it wouldn't have forced my my parents to make a decision about what the future of the business would be and we would have just been stuck in this limbo so I think that yeah I pretty much handed in my notice worked my notice left and then that let them go on with what they needed to do yeah, and I think where you're saying people might view that as selfish but in in terms of going back to that point on clarity mm-hmm. it, all too often I mean time absolutely flies by anyway we, we're recording this in November of 2020 and it seems despite the sort of year we've had in in 2020 with everything that's happened I still can't believe we've got to November already it just seems to have have flown by and how much time could easily have passed had you just said well okay I'll I'll leave it six months and then something happens and then go well I can't leave now because of x and I can't do this because of y all of a sudden it drags that process out over years which kind of ruins the fact that you've made that decision in the first place Exactly. I mean, imagine it had been a year later because I left in April. I handed in my notice in March. Imagine that had been this year. It would have yeah. it would have dragged out the like way 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 longer. Or if I'd said I'll stay six months, and suddenly you're in twenty twenty three and you don't know how you've got there. Yeah. Um. So I, yeah, I think that it was really important. I also think that there is the tendency when you're in a family business to be really emotionally invested, which I definitely understand because I think I stayed there a lot lot longer than I should have like in all honesty I probably should have worked there on a temporary basis gone and got another job and gone and I mean I'm glad that I didn't for like how things worked out but that's probably what should have happened for my sake like for what I wanted but it's easy to forget that even though it is your family business and you're a lot more emotionally invested in it and it is more important it is also just a job Mm. and that you need to treat it like that and I think that at the end I needed to view it as this is a job I wouldn't say to any other business okay I'll stay six months or I'll stay a year until you've done this you Mm -hmm. would hand your notice in and you would go yeah and 
it, as you say, it's it's not useful for anybody to be in that situation of limbo and to drag things out. So I think that people, if they don't want to be there, I'm not saying just leave people, you know, like in a difficult situation. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying just walk out, throw your, flip <laughs> your desk and walk out because you're done. But I do think that, yeah, if you don't want to be there, if you don't see your future there, and if you're just holding things back, then there's no point in dragging it out. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that you took the time to get to the decision once you made it there was that clarity yeah talk us a little bit more around what you said about if you saw yourself in 20 or 30 years doing what you were anticipating happening and how that sort of aided with your decision making process I think part of the problem was as I said that the vision that I had for the company was maybe entirely different from how the company looks now so it was quite difficult to envision a future but every time I tried to get beyond what the roles were just now into what I wanted it to be something would happen that would kind of get like dragged back into it and realize that no this is how the business is this is how it's likely to be for the foreseeable future well I mean it might eventually change but it would take a lot of work and probably quite a long time to get it to that point Uh and could I see myself going like in that role and going through that process for however many years or decades potentially and I'd kind of kidded myself on in the early stages when we started to talk about succession I said I would like to stay on and I would like to get the business to a certain point and then I would leave and talking with people we put kind of like a 10-year limit on that say we would say like we want to get it to this point within 10 years and then within that 10 years it'll be passed to someone else hopefully within the family and it'll continue but the reality of that happening, like the pace that things were moving at and the ability to do that was pretty slim. Uh-huh. And I think that at some point I realized I can tell myself that this will be 10 years or 15 years even. And the reality is that it's probably going to be until I retire, this is going to be my life. Yeah. And it's a, it's a good life and it's a good business. And I don't like I don't want to give the impression that it's a terrible business or it would have been an awful life. It definitely wouldn't have. It's just not what I imagined for myself. And I couldn't, yeah, I just, every time I tried to picture myself in like 20, 30, 40 years, still there and probably still with a very similar business because, you know, things are difficult to change, especially when you've already Mm -hmm. got people in the business and family in the business. I just, I just couldn't. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. a, a bit of future that I was, I was happy with. Yeah. And I think one of my very strong beliefs is life is not a rehearsal. So we, we can't come back next time and go, OK, well, I tried that yeah. and then I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do something different next time because that didn't didn't quite work out. And, and very often there's this binary view that you either have to work fully within the family business or be completely detached from the, the family business. And yet what you're yeah. showing is that by looking at what's important in your life and what you want to achieve, there's a way of doing that where you can keep close to your family business because you're still doing work for them. You're obviously still part of the family. They haven't kind of said, right, it's all or nothing. And you're fulfilling what you want to do within your own business as as well. And I think that's a really important lesson to get across because there is life outside the family business. And if time is our most valuable resource, Mm-hmm. spending or finding ways in which the family business enables you to spend that time as you want to spend it 
is an important step in in achieving what we want to achieve in life and that seems to be what you've done is that you've gone I, I don't want to be doing the whole family business thing but I want to use my skill set to still help yeah exactly and I think that when I left as well it suited us all for that that's that situation it wasn't they weren't going to cut their nose off to spite their face and say no you don't want to be in the business you can't be involved because realistically they still needed the skills that I was providing and they didn't want to hire a full-time person to do that so I offered them the ability to outsource that work essentially they were one of my first clients so it actually enabled me to leave and to be able to pay my bills and not get kicked out of my house so it really it was a win-win for everybody in that situation yeah um and, and it still is at, at the moment. We still work together and they get what they need out of it. And I don't need to be involved in the family business or the running or the politics or anything like that. Mm. But yeah, I think that there's a, this might be going off a, a wee bit off tangent, sorry, but I think there's a kind of belief, certainly among like older generation family businesses that works not to be enjoyed. And maybe mm. it's not, it is just a job at the end of the day. So there's almost this, like you're getting a business why are you not appreciating that we never got that mm-hmm. like you're you're being given something that's essentially I mean someone said to me when I was um kind of going through the process that people will leave a family business to start their own business and they'll never get it to the point of, of that family business if that makes sense so right. yeah. you know like you've got essentially got the opportunity to take on a business that is turning over a lot of money, profiting, has no debt, has premises and reputation and staff, you could leave and start a business and you will work your whole career and get it only to that point, mm-hmm. if even that point. Yeah. And so it's such a springboard for opportunity. Like you've got so much potential within this business that you're given. And I think that there's almost this like belief that, well, why would you not take on that opportunity? You've got yeah. it's such a good opportunity. And I don't think that my parents really believed that the way that I work was a sustainable way of working like working from home writing things that go on people's website how is that a job how could that actually (laughs) pay for your bills Um, and I do believe that there was part of them that probably thought yeah she'll be back in a few months like Uh there's no way she's going to actually make a business or a career out of this and I have and it's worked and it's Mm. it's it's just a completely different way of working from what they're used to and it's probably something that they couldn't envisage was a real thing. One of the points you made there about the sort of expectation that if you're offered this sort of fully functioning, profitable, well-established, great reputation business, that, that you'd be foolish to, to turn yeah. it down. Well, one of the bugbears I have around things like succession statistics mm-hmm. is that that is used as a measure of success for a family businesses whether it can survive generationally in terms of ownership between generations mm-hmm. one two three and beyond and to, to me a much better measure of success is people's happiness mm-hmm. but happiness isn't something that you can measure on a balance sheet or a profit and loss or you know you look at that that picture of uh, a very profitable uh, cash generative business with the, the great reputation and you go and change that for something where you're having to slog your guts out to get it off the ground and, and start it be- becoming that profitable business yeah it's it's hard to articulate that actually that that second option that looks really scary and looks really hard is what's going to bring me happiness compared yeah. to taking that other role on yeah. 
And I think that the problem for a lot of second or third or whatever generation of a family business is that it's not the industry that you would choose to be in. So it might be a great business. It might be a successful business, but it's probably not what you're passionate about. Uh Like, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with the swimming pool hot tub industry. I just would never choose to start a business in it. It's not Uh the industry for for multiple reasons that I would choose to be in I'm not skilled in it I I mean I know enough to get by but it's not you know it's not the industry that I'm supposed to be in Uh and I think that so many people are are in that situation that you can run a family business and you could do well at it and it can be profitable and successful as you say on paper Uh is it what you want to do and you kind of have to weigh up between what kind of life do I want? Do I want the life where I'm running something that is successful and will that make me happy or will it make me happy to go and do something that might not be successful but is something that I'm passionate and and want to do? And that doesn't have to be running your own business. It could just be working within another business that does something that you're interested in. Yeah. I, th- I think you've touched on a really valid point there is that the the business that was being created was born out of a passion that your mum and dad had to to generate the the life that they wanted for for themselves and and their family and that's in a very particular market so swimming pools and and hot tubs and the like the the likelihood of any child then being born (laughs) where that becomes their number one passion it it happens and and when it happens that everything should be done to, to make sure that people have a really clear path into that family business and and can do the best they possibly can in there to make make that uh, a reality but the likelihood of that happening is probably relatively low I don't know the science on it but we can make stuff (laughs) up I'm sure yeah Um, but but there will also be people out there who will be resonating with that and saying yes that's how I feel it's not my I love the business I love Mm -hmm. what it's done it, there's no it isn't a reflection of the business itself it's just not what my passion and what what I want yeah. to do is yeah. uh, if there are people and I'm putting you on the spot now if there are people out there who are in that situation what would your advice be to them as to how to kind of bring that up how to how to articulate to your parents that you don't want to follow in their footsteps in that way well I mean I think that as I've kind of mentioned, as I imagine most parents are, most parents will probably want you to be happy. So, you know, I don't know everyone's circumstances, but hopefully if you did bring that conversation up to your parents, they wouldn't say, well, no, sorry, you have to hate your life and stay in this business forever. And if you don't, we'll disown you. Um, I think that's probably the first thing to consider is how are your parents going to react? And Uh are they actually likely to react like that? Because probably most, in most circumstances, hopefully, they won't and they want you to be happy I think there is the you can have this fear that that's how they will react or it will be devastated or angry and the reality is they probably won't because they Mm -hmm. probably want you just to be happy and I think that it would be really important to start with as well what do you really want like again varies family to family you might have a family with very open communication that love to chat to each other and you can talk about it and it's no big deal and and that's great if you're not and you're maybe a slightly less a less communicative family like some Uh (laughs) then really think about what you want and if you don't want to if you think about that over a bit of time and you decide that that's not what you're happy in and that's probably not what you want your future to be 
then yeah I would think about how your parents are going to react because they're probably not going to be upset and you just need to speak about it there's not really any other way around it either that or you can just drop off the face of the earth and ghost your parents but I think yeah. they might <laughs> I don't know if that's a very constructive way to deal with it yeah so I think get clear about what you want from your future from your career from your life and if that doesn't align with your position in the family business then you need to understand that your parents or whoever is the you know if it's not your parents whoever in the family whoever it is in the family business is going to want you to do something that fulfills you and that makes you happy and I also think that there's no point in having unhappy people in your business like I could have stayed would I have worked as hard as I would if I was a happy person in the business probably not Mm -hmm. Uh, definitely not yeah I don't think that's good for any business either I don't think it's good for the morale or profit of a business to have lots of unhappy people there so I don't know did that answer your question I'm not yes it did and I think it's there's an important lesson in in there is that that there are different elements that are going on when when you're having those conversations there's the the business in itself Mm. you've got the the family dynamic yeah also got the individuals and each individual's right to be happy is as important as each other's there's no pecking order in that sense in that you have to do what your parents say Mm. first port of call then you can worry about whether that makes you happy or not yeah you do definitely take over those like familial roles into the business of like you there's almost a sense of what your parents want is more important than what you want because they're your parents Uh but that's not true in a family business I mean it's not true in life in general probably but it's not true in a family business and as I said before it is a job imagine that was just a boss would you be putting their happiness or their like career aspirations above your own happiness Mm. no you wouldn't so it's as much as it is a very emotional role and it's easy to say don't get too invested and don't become too emotional you also have to imagine what you would do were it just on another job yeah and I think correct me if I'm wrong it it's not like you've now stopped caring about the family business either it you know you've still got that in your life you're still it's still part of your life and what what goes on and I'm imagining Sunday lunches and and the like you still sort of check in with with what's going on 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 the in the business yeah absolutely and I think I've probably come across quite callous towards Eagle Leisure in this podcast which is not the case at all and as I said you know it's been a part of my life for my entire life and even in the next step it, it probably it will probably stay a part of my life and I'll always be emotionally attached to it but yeah because I still do some work for them I still catch up on what's happening they still you know, moan about the same old customers that are doing the same old things mm-hmm. um, and just, yeah, keep me up to date on what's happening because because I've been in it, I have more of an understanding, say, than like my younger sister who's never worked there, mm-hmm. kind of all goes over her head and we all have a, actually, <laughs> we have a family WhatsApp chat between the five of us and then we also have like an Eagle Leisure WhatsApp between the four of us. Uh-huh occasionally they get mixed up and we'll speak in the the just the family chat about eagle leisure uh-huh. she'll message and she'll say excuse me this is the wrong chat can you please move <laughs> over can you please move over to your dedicated channel for this and we're like oh yeah. sorry so i'm still involved very much in like i mean we have that chat for me to ask them questions about content and things that i'm creating but 
yes there's still very much an involvement in what's happening how is it doing um that sort of thing there's no it's not like I've left and I have nothing to do with it and I don't want mm. to have anything to do with it and I don't care what happens to it like of course my parents still work there my sister still works there I want it to continue I want it to be passed along it's yes yeah, it's, it's very much still part of my life and, mm-hmm. and involved I just don't feel as tied down by it maybe yeah. is the correct phrase <laughs> yeah and I think that that brings me on to to what you're doing now and sort of the, the happiness that that's bringing you in terms of running your own business and that side of it. T- tell us just a little bit more about what it is that you're actually doing now. I gave you a title at the at the outset, which is freelance content copywriter. Just explain what that means and um, why you love it so, so much. Yeah, so essentially I kind of do the fun part of my job that I used to, but for loads of different businesses. So the part that I really enjoyed when I worked for Eagle Leisure was creating their content. So like their web pages and their blogs and their videos. That was the part that I really enjoyed. And it was probably the part that kept me there for so long because mm-hmm. I, I was I liked it. I was good at it. Um, so now I do that for lots of different companies. So I essentially write content which is usually blogs or web pages or lead magnets or email series and then I help promote them out on social and via email and that sort of thing to get them in front of as many people as possible so Mm -hmm. I create high like content that is organically searchable so people aren't having to pay for adverts it's all the content that's doing the work and bringing people to their website Uh and that I think the perfect summary you you mentioned there was that it's a role that you've sort of come to because it's you love what 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 it is that you do you love doing that that element of it and that is complementary to what your family business needs but also what other businesses need and so it's not that right we have to sever all ties following this decision it is something where you can mix the best of both worlds and I think that's a really valuable takeaway for people who are in that position is that they don't have to feel that this this binary decision where if you say no to a role within the family business that you're rejecting it it can Mm -hmm. still be really important and like you say really still emotionally attached to it Um, I think that's a really valuable lesson so thank you very much for um, sharing that um, with us you're welcome where can the audience find out a little bit more about you they can either visit my website, which is debbieekins.com, or I'm on LinkedIn. At, I think it's just Debbie Eakins on LinkedIn. Or if you want to see my hiking adventures and have, which has nothing to do with my work, it would be Debbie underscore does underscore things on Instagram. And <laughs> just very quickly on that, you go Munro hunting. Is that is that the <laughs> right terminology? <laughs> It's Munro bagging. Monroe bagging, hunting. sorry, not hunting. Monroe That's a bit violent. A lot more, yeah, a lot more <laughs> like we're out with guns. Uh, no, Munro bagging. So I'm Baggy. trying to climb the 282, almost forgot how many there, highest mountains in Scotland. Wow. I'm only on 89 at the moment, so I have a, a way to go. Only, yeah. Only, that's yeah. Still, that's still pretty <laughs> impressive. Yeah. Uh, and you get some some stunning shots uh, that you share on, yeah. on Instagram. They're really beautiful. Yeah. So, to be um, fair, I rarely take those pictures. I'm just usually in them. Got um, it. <laughs> it's usually <laughs> someone else far behind or far ahead uh-huh. with the camera. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I get lots of nice pictures to share on my Instagram. So if you just like nice pictures of mountains and uh, the sky and yeah. the sea, then follow me there. <laughs> if not, 
uh, website or LinkedIn as my professional platforms. Perfect. And we'll put links to all of those in the show notes so people can find them there. But for now, Debbie, thank you very much for sharing your story, some fantastic insights in there, which will be really valuable to our audience. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. I hope you found this episode useful. If you have, then why not share it with your family and see what they think? I work with families just like yours to help them to better understand the complexities that can come with being a family in business. So whether you're just starting out or heading into the umpteenth generation, if you feel that I could help, check out fanbizpodcast.com forward slash work with Russ and get in touch. Until next time, take care.